0: The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor.
1: I think it's South Africa is to eat an ostrich egg
0: omelet. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. And it's it's because of the... Uh... The cysteine and the choline. So
1: that's look. That you that... need more than
0: one person to eat that. Challenge accepted.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pull up to a McDonald's and order the McOstridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god,
1: that that would be awesome. <laughs>
0: a special isolation edition of eat this with leanne here's leanne phillipson
1: have you ever said it's five o'clock somewhere as you pour yourself a glass of wine a shot of scotch maybe it's a bourbon a vodka brandy or whiskey well i don't know whatever it is that you choose to grease your glass with as the clock has just struck wine o'clock Well, sometimes people do this because they just feel like they need it to exhale. You need a drink in that moment and somehow it feels like it's going to save the day or maybe just your sanity in that moment. I think, you know, there are times when we all get to that place. Even sometimes for people, it's multiple times of day, depending on what's going on. Some say that it's healthy to have a glass of red wine because it's got potent antioxidants called resveratrol in it, while others say, oh my God, this is just going to pickle your liver. Have you found yourself becoming a cheap date as you've aged, as in One drink and you're done. Otherwise, the repercussions have you wishing that Marty McFly could take you back in time so you feel like a human again. The recommendation for safe drinking is one glass of wine a day for women and two glasses a day for men. If you're pregnant, it's none. Now I'm not going to debate the virtues of whether to drink or not in this episode, no. What I want to know is what's going on, is that fermented grape, that fermented malted barley, potato, or even apples, how they go down the hatch, how it hits your stomach, your liver, your kidneys, and what it's doing to your gut, and yes, your brain. As we age, our tolerance can change, and usually not for the better during our time of isolation i know many have turned to drinking daily whereas maybe they hadn't before and there are some people who are abstaining but no matter where you're at today on eat this with leanne what does booze do to our health and our body esteemed guest today, Dr. Davis Brockenshire is a functional medicine expert who we've had on in the beginning of the pandemic, actually back in March, where he came on and he talked about immunity. And what was it that he shared, Chris? It was his, the Dr. B's...
2: The hot toddy. Hot,
1: the hot toddy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you find yourself in a place where you need it, you can go back a little bit and find out that one, because that was amazing. Now, he himself, he's a connoisseur of fine wine. And I have had the pleasure to tour his beautiful wine cellar and know that he's not really one to be on the wagon or off the wagon, but somewhere in the middle with some appreciation and moderation. And if there's anyone I know to explain what goes on the body so we will all understand, it's him. So welcome back, Dr. B. Okay, so to start off, uh, Dr. B, can you please take us on a journey of what does alcohol do as it travels through our body from that first sip all the way through?
0: It's a fantastic journey, Leanne, but you got (laughs) to understand, alcohol is a poison. It always has been. However, it's one of those poisons that can stimulate certain genes that we all have to make us a little bit stronger. And that's why when you look at the research on alcohol, the uh, overwhelming consensus is that nobody can make a decision. But we do know that it does have benefits. So we'll just hold that there for a minute. And here's what alcohol does to you. Let's say we have a drink. Well, uh, just vodka and tonic. Why you would drink that, I don't know. But there's vodka and a little tonic water. You're not using the tonic water for the quinine. That's not real quinine okay so how about
1: vodka and soda then
0: vodka and soda just take the
1: sugar out of the conversation
0: i like bubbles um the vodka goes in the body it hits the tongue the the bitter receptors in the mouth perceive the alcohol as a threat and they start releasing gastric juices pancreatic enzymes bile starts to get made and you know Over the lips, through the gums, leg out stomach, here it comes. So the stomach says, are you kidding me? And it perceives the alcohol as a threat, so it does some defensive mechanisms in the liver. Certain genes get activated, bile starts running, leaves the stomach uh, after it's left a little bit of damage to the stomach lining, which will heal. And the small intestine says, we have to adjust the pH here. So we have to take that really acidic solution and make it alkaline. So the pancreas pumps out a ton of bicarbonate and other enzymes to balance it out. And that's why people who drink on an empty stomach get drunk quick, because there's more surface area for that alcohol to be absorbed. So now the liver is dumping bile through the gallbladder. Hope you have a gallbladder. And what happens is the alcohol starts to get broken down immediately. So as it's traveling through the small intestine it's bound to bile, the, uh, the liver is starting to receive it in the blood. And it says, yo, we, we know how to deal with this. We're engineered for alcohol, so let's convert it. So it starts detoxifying it. And without getting too gory with the detox, you're going to use a lot of detox resources like B vitamins to break alcohol down into something called acetyl aldehyde, which happens to be the same thing our body turns yeast into. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. have a problem with alcohol because they have a yeast issue or yeast overgrowth like Candida. But anyways, the liver starts to do its thing and it says, okay, I can deal with parts of this. We'll put it in bile and we're going to move it out through the bowels. Then it calls in the kidneys and the kidneys say, well, I can handle this. We can convert it to ammonia and we can urinate it out. That's great. But a true Canadian has a third pathway and those are your sweat glands. (laughs) And if you've ever woken up at a campsite not really sure where you were sweating out Jameson, you know <laughs> that those pathways work. And that has to do with ammonia as well. So the skin is kind of your second liver, if you will. Yeah. Um, another way that it does get out of the body is through the lungs. And so you can off gas some of the poisons from alcohol through CO2, which would explain why alcoholics smell funny when they breathe. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you can urinate it and your kidneys work and you have a healthy liver and you're not on a ton of medications and you're well hydrated, it's tolerable. And we have the apparatus to handle alcohol within moderation, which is the big question. What is moderation?
1: Okay, so before we move on to that. As soon as you said, if you have a gallbladder, I know how many listeners are going, I don't have a gallbladder. So right. what ha- what happens if you don't have a gallbladder?
0: So I remember your gallbladder sits there as a storage device to hold bile until needed. If you don't have a gallbladder, your liver has to make bile on demand. And that's like one of those instant hot water tanks. <clears throat> it's very energy intensive over the short term. And you might not have everything you need to make quality bile. Or you might have been exposed to Roundup or a pesticide or something else, and that's compromised your bile. A lot of people have toxic bile syndrome, and one of the easiest ways to identify that is uh, IBS, irritable bowel. So if you've got irritable bowel and you don't have a gallbladder, you're going to have a hard time with alcohol.
1: I think there's some people that are going, oh, that's me, that's (laughs) me. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so is there a better choice of alcohol you did we just talked about uh, we just talked about vodka but what about you mentioned bubbles so either champagne or wine or scotch brandy whatever it is or tequila that's that seems to be a slightly different class and has a big different effect on a lot of people so is there something that's easier to drink in terms of just overall health and or maybe even a hangover
0: absolutely um, to understand first of all that Pure alcohol in itself is quite clean, right? We're all using it as hand sanitizer right now. But the more polluted the alcohol gets, the greater the chance of after effect like hangover, headache, rash, hot flashes, etc. So if you go down the pathway and let's say we've got uh, Kettle One Vodka, pretty clean. I don't yeah. work for Kettle One. It's not a plug. But people can see the bottle. They know it's pretty clean you go down into a really dark tequila that's been processed from agave and so that's uh that's got a different sugar profile all the way down to say uh murphy's or guinness where you can't even see through it okay so typically the darker the alcohol with the greater sugar content is going to create more of a detoxification burden and if you look at Alcohol per serving, it'll give you an idea of kind of how you're going to feel later. For example, you know, a beer is four and a half, five percent alcohol per 12 ounces in general. Um, compare that to, you know, a free pour of whiskey or tequila. That's a lot more alcohol per volume going into the system. So the more water in the drink, the less likely you're going to have after effects, um, because it's been diluted.
1: Okay. Right? So also that straight up martini, kettle one martini is going to act really different to a vodka and soda. Exactly. Gin and tonic or something like that. Okay. And, and what if you do have something that has a mixer like a Coke or a tonic or something that's not a soda, basically, if you're aiming for
0: bubbles? Anything that has carbohydrate calories added to alcohol will make it more difficult to detoxify, increasing
2: your risk of hangover. For example, margarita. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it makes it easier. (laughs) The Coke makes it easier to drink, but it makes it harder to digest. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. I don't like anything you're saying these days, Davis. Not (laughs) Not a single thing. You and I... Oh, we're just not seeing eye die. Although I do want to ask about that very specific story about have you been camping lately? Because that whole thing about Jameson in the woods was very specific. Yeah. Well, you wake up one day and you wonder why you're covered
0: in peach schnapps, but you got a Jameson bottle. It just doesn't make any sense.
2: <laughs> Did you at least have a GPS tracker with you? Yeah. Yeah. And the canoe was still in shallow water.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: okay.
1: Uh huh. Can you relate here, Chris, after your uh, little trip away? Is that what we're talking
2: here? I would never get in a canoe, nothing without an engine. Forget it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
2: So I'm not inviting you out on my paddleboard then. <laughs> no,
1: thanks.
2: <laughs> not <laughs> unless I'm
1: paddling. Not unless you
2: got a 75 horsepower outboard on it.
1: Like oh I can you imagine. <laughs> I
2: could which is <laughs> okay but do the best I can but I got warn you I'm really drunk.
1: oh boy okay um how long how long does it take davis to kind of clear all of this through the liver and is there anything that we can do to help to clear it out you know like let's say drink more water how much water do you have to drink or give us some tips on um, liver clearing
0: so here are the rules of alcohol in general this is what the british have discovered and they've made it law that males can tolerate roughly 14 ounces of alcohol per week without any detriment to their organs or cells. Okay. Women can tolerate roughly eight ounces of alcohol per week with any, without any detriment to their cells. Question being, well, why women? Why less? And that has to do with how the, uh, the different hormonal burdens create different pathways in the liver that slow things down. So ladies, The secret to pollution is dilution.
2: Mm. you got
0: to dilute the alcohol. This
2: this turned into an episode
0: of Sesame Street all of a sudden. Exactly. (laughs) 13, 13 bottles of beer. Ah, ah, Well, that would be tres. So um, going forward, your party planner should include plenty of water before bed. And if you typically have a difficult time with alcohol, you might want to take a B-complex before bed because the B-complex vitamins will promote the detoxification of carbohydrates and alcohol. You might want to have some food in your body because that helps absorb some of the alcohol early on and then slow down its release into the bloodstream. And if you didn't follow the rules and you woke up with that familiar feeling of brain fog, sluggishness, a little bit of rage or anger, acoustic sensitivity, maybe. Nausea. The usual. Blurry vision. Um, fear of unknown places.
1: Room spinning. It's, yeah, ba- it's basically you
2: know. Leanne's Saturday morning. That's what it is. Yeah. Like your typical quarantine day. <laughs> If that's the case,
0: you know, some people talk, hey, let's have a big stack of pancakes, you would be better off to skip carbohydrates with breakfast and have foods that are high in sulfur, or what we call methyl donors. So if you had a, a big veggie omelet, that would actually help the body detoxify the alcohol quicker. As opposed to you know, a bowl of raisin bran. See, they Knuck. should they
2: should advertise that in the in the grocery store. High in methyl doffers, is that what we call it? Donors, yeah, methyl donors. donors, yeah, yeah. High in methyl donors.
0: Cheese, spinach, <laughs> Brussels sprouts, broccoli. My favorite is a three egg omelet with some pepper jack cheese, some garlic, and some broccoli, because okay. that will help the liver push out, whatever's got to go. And, uh, if you're ambitious, throw some sriracha or some chilies in there to Whoa. sweat that.
1: Ooh. Yeah. I can just, I can already see the puddle of sweat in, yep. uh, you know, just, just happening. And what if you ate all of that before you went to bed?
0: You wouldn't sleep very well because you'd be talking <laughs> like a beast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So hydration, hydration. B, B vitamins, Mm-hmm. And is it worth B vitamins before you go out? You can, but that'll decrease your buzz. Oh, okay. So you'll probably end up drinking more because you think you can.
0: Correct. Mm, There is one thing that's been used on the Hollywood party circuit, and that's the amino acid N-acetylcysteine, or NAC, Mm -hmm. which is naturally found in raw protein, but... Pretty much every award show in their party bag will have a little packet of no. booze pack or something like that. And the main ingredient is NAC dosed about a thousand milligrams every eight hours.
2: Really? Wow. That's interesting. It,
1: that, that's going, that's going in my party pack. I tell you, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I need every little drop of any help that I can so get. I, and that's I, even after two drinks.
2: Davis, how do you spell NAC? <laughs> uh, just like you spell W. <laughs>
0: the other thing you can do leanne is if you have it available reduced glutathione in a liposomal form is often the antidote for alcohol
1: right i have that in my fridge and while it tastes absolutely vile I'll, i'll i rank that one right up there that's just my my effect a friend once told me keep it in the fridge because it tastes it tastes better, which is true. Um, and I have, I have definitely done that. And I know a lot of people that all pre COVID for whatever reason, they've done, um, glutathione or, or, vitamin C IV treatments, maybe with their naturopath or, you know, you probably have recommended that too. And that really changed how they, uh, how they handle and how they feel with alcohol. So yeah glutathione is a is a is a definite fave if you can get a hold of it i know we can still in canada but there's Mm -hmm. people all over the world listening to this so Okay. So this is like the number one question whenever I told anybody I was going to talk about this. And this is because of my age at 49 being perimenopause. And uh, why does alcohol change? Why does your tolerance change with age? And one of the biggest things I know that a lot of women have told me is the hot flashes, that whole situation.
0: Yeah. So a couple things happen as we age. One is if you survey of people over 45, almost every single one of them is on some kind of medication that screws up how alcohol gets processed. Okay. The other problem with most of those medications is they actually create deficiencies in the same nutrients we need to detoxify alcohol. So there's a bit of a what I call polypharmacy issue with uh, the over 45 crowd. And the other thing that happens is, you know, you can only push the body so far. Yeah. When's the last time you gave your liver a vacation? Because usually on vacation, you do the opposite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so our livers are very overworked. Although I was told recently by a shaman, she said that our liver is four times the size of our body. So, or four times the size of our heart. So basically she said to find peace as we age, you should drink more and care less. <laughs> that was an interesting point. Okay. Right? But if you if you look yeah. at the size of the organs, your liver does get larger as we age due to burden. Okay. And the other thing that you're going to be seeing in the population is uh, kidney disease is a major issue mm-hmm. and it's silent. So if people are on blood pressure meds or anything like that, or if you took a Tylenol or a Motrin after a hangover, that's about the worst thing you can do for your kidneys yeah. and your liver. Um, it just it it you lose the ability to handle toxicity as you age because you've used up all your tools.
1: Right. So in my case, and I know a lot of women as well around the perimenopause time, I'm not on, on any meds and I do not tolerate alcohol well anymore at all.
0: Right. So the other component here, particularly with perimenopause, is the epigenetic factor. And epigenetics mean how your genes are responding to your environment. The mm. so certain genes can activate or deactivate based on your environment. And if your hormones are crashing while you're under a lot of stress, the genetic hardware for detoxification can actually slow down. Right. Right. The harder you try to speed it up, the worse your symptoms get. So one of the backdoor cheats for that environment is lots and lots of good magnesium. Mm,
1: my favorite.
0: That will settle the system down. So okay. have some almonds and dark chocolate with your red wine. They do pair well. They do. And there's a nice dose of magnesium.
2: Yeah. Amazing. I'm just trying to think of the last time I went on a magnesium bender. Right. It was a rough time in my life. Milk milk (laughs) of magnesia for Chris.
0: (laughs) Somewhere between her jeans collection and her sock drawer, this is Eat This with Leanne.
1: Okay, so slightly circling back to the cleanest or, or the best alcohol if that's a possible thing so i know people who say can't tolerate red wine i know that's an absolute favorite of yours davis
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so what happens between red wine versus white wine versus you know a brandy or like you said like something darker um a scotch or you know something that has more color to it i've always been told that the vodka the gin the clearer it is the easier it is and, and the cleaner it is as you said often the top but what like what is the deal with the wine thing
0: so you're right the clearer it is the easier it is to break down because there's less pollution in it but for those people who are listening who've actually made alcohol whether you're a brewmaster or you've experimented with wine you're pretty passionate about the quality of your raw materials just like cooking you need to use the best ingredients the best spices to make the best food okay so In North America, most wine producers try to get it done as cheaply as possible to hit their price points. And same with beer. No offense to the beer manufacturers. But the best Canadian beers start with the best water. Right? Just the best spring water. Just like in Scotland, the best scotch starts with the water. Right. In Tennessee, it's all about the water. So. you you need to have the world's best water. And what's happening today is a lot of adult beverages are made with purified drinking water. And in that drinking water is contamination. So contaminants like glyphosate, PFOS, fluoride, medications, and they're drinking basically poisoned water to begin with. So your imported wines typically are cleaner, but you might have also heard that people don't react poorly to really expensive wines.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely heard that.
0: Particularly French. And so like in yeah. Germany, where there are laws with beer, in France, there are laws of wine. And in Canada, we used to have kind of an unwritten honor code amongst brewmasters. But, you know, we got to really be careful with the yeasts that are being used. That's why uh, really good Don Julio. Mm-hmm. tends to do better for people. It's clearer as opposed to, say, Cuervo gold. Um, and uh, same with your gins. There's a variety of quality when it goes yeah. into the alcohol. So my suggestion is shop for the absolute highest quality that doesn't break the bank. Okay. And listen to your body because some days it might handle red wine, some days it won't. And if it's not, that means your nutrition is probably a little weak.
1: Okay. And... Th- where people sometimes say, you know, I think drinking is affecting my mood, my memory, not so much mood, but more like memory. Is it, you know, is it kind of frying your brain cells or just generally speaking all of your cells? And that's, that's a bit of a red flag to say, okay, like you said, your nutrition is not in top shape. You're deficient in certain nutrients. You're not detoxifying properly. So it's a bit of a global situation. It's not, you're just maybe feeling it or seeing it in your cognitive function.
0: Yeah, so the, the, where the rubber hits the road on this one, and I've done a lot of work with addiction, you need to treat alcohol the same way you treat sugar. The brain perceives them the same way. On one hand, alcohol is a central nervous system depressant, but it's also a stimulant. Mm. And what happens for people that are sugar addicts is they'll be more prone to feeling better on alcohol, one of the questions I ask people who can't sleep, I ask them, you know, does alcohol help you sleep? And then many times they'll say, well, it helps them fall asleep, but then they wake up a couple hours later and can't go back to sleep. That's all going back to sugar handling. Mm. One of the ways to solve that is to try an ultra low carb diet or experiment with a ketogenic type situation, see if you can fix that. But at the end of the day, from a mood point of view, Alcohol and serotonin are related, and there's a little bit of overplay with dopamine. So some people are a happy drunk. Some people are an angry drunk. It's all two sides of the same coin. Hmm. Any person that has major mood variation with alcohol needs to really be careful with carbohydrate.
1: Okay. So more protein, more fat. Yep. Um, I, d- I remember doing a segment on radio and just saying, okay, before you go out, you know, eat the burger before you get to wherever you're going so that you've got that sort of to line your stomach almost. And then that'll slow down not only the, you know, and if it's a grass fed and, you know, if it's a really, if it's a really good burger, as opposed to like a drive-through burger, then that's going to give you a lot more of the nutrients that you need to.
0: Right. And one of the things we figured out with alcoholism is if you are going to go out and somebody's not drinking but they want to participate you know it's it's a party you can do digestive bitters in some sparkling water Mm. that will promote digestion um and that way you know it's all one big happy family but if you're going to have a before dinner drink i would recommend something with um bitters or a bitter flavor to it like a whiskey sour because that will promote digestion and it will also prepare the body for further poisoning.
1: Okay. And the bitters that you're talking about, is that like, what's the stuff in the little bottle called?
2: Angstrom bitters. That's it? Yep.
1: Okay. And so can, just
2: throw the Where can you buy that? Where can you get uh, the bitters? Liquor store. Oh, okay. LCBO, yeah.
1: Is Can you not find that in the supermarket? Sometimes. I'm sure I've seen it like near the Worcestershire sauce, maybe.
0: Yeah, well said. Down here in the state <laughs> where, you know, apparently the world's falling apart, um, they put the Angstrom bitters in the foreign food section. <laughs>
1: Seriously?
0: Seriously. You got to love that.
1: Okay. So I know that there's like another, a million more questions that listeners have to do with this. So if you do have more questions for Dr. B, then wherever you find this posted, you're on leannephillipson.com. Just throw your questions in there. And then we might just make a whole part two out of this, depending on what it is that you need to know. But I actually think that that, that just gives such a foundation of, what is going on in the body and there's no judgment to what you're doing. It's just information so that you can hopefully make more informed decisions because through my journey of, you know, living in England for 15 years and doing the whole pub crawl and doing the whole pub thing to fast forward to now, my tolerance for alcohol is like negligible, but I keep, I do keep on trying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You need better tools in that toolbox there, Leanne.
1: I know, and it's that comes down to my lovely friend, Dr. B, even though I can't get to see him because he's in the U.S., but he's my liver, he's, he's my man, he's the one who checks me out and says, okay, you got to do this, you got to do that, so yeah, I think I need another tune-up, a distance tune-up somehow. Let's
0: but, go sweat it out.
1: Yeah, let's go sweat it out. That's not difficult to do with our weather right now, I'll tell you no. that, or while I'm in my little closet here talking to you guys.
0: It's so cold in my wine cellar, though.
1: You know, he's got like a vest thing on and I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here in like a tank top, still sweating, but this 16, is where the sound is the best.
0: 16 degrees Celsius.
1: That's perfect for a wine cellar. Yep. Oh, man. Okay. Well, thank you so much for, uh, for being on again and uh, further to the immunity episode that we did. I'll put a link to that for people who want to hear a little bit more of your incredible wisdom. And I'm always so grateful for, for being able to learn from you because there's tons and tons that I, that I do learn from you. And I hope that all the listeners are, are taking this in, even all those big words. Just listen to this over and over again. And if you're not sure about something, then of course, you can always ask.
0: Thanks for having me, Leanne.
1: Always a pleasure. Okay, now about hangovers. Well, if you ever find your stomach reversing gears on that morning after hangover cures, well, there are plenty. And truthfully, sometimes they can be hilarious. Years ago, I did a couple of hangover segments. First on News Talk 1010 Radio with on the Jerry Agar Show with Jerry, and then on CP24 News Network with Nick Dixon. And I shared a hangover cure from some country that I don't really remember. It might have been Turkey. And it involved consuming dried bull. Penis. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's the treat that you often give your dog, and you watch them inhale it like it's Christmas. (laughs) Well, I took some dried bull penis on air both times Uh and jerry actually tried it although it was radio and no one could actually see what he was doing i think i recall somebody saying i couldn't get to the studio window fast (laughs) enough to see if he was actually trying it (laughs) and then with nick on cp24 this was tv i don't know if somebody you know told him before he thought something was up And I think he thought he was like going to be pranked and he totally did not take the bait and was looking out of the corner of his eye the whole time. (laughs) So I've got a few hangover cures to share from around the world. Well, you know, just because, because, you know, because just just because. So let's start with Peru. Ceviche apparently is the absolute universal cure for hangovers. And if you're not sure what ceviche is, it's raw fish that's sat overnight in, what is it, Chris, like a vinegar or like a brine type of thing? Yeah. Right, right. Well, it's actually bursting with vitamin C and B, which will help regulate your brain and your belly and help make you make it more than five feet. Without yakking up on the carpet. It also contains omega 3 fatty acids, which apparently help to stave off brain damage sustained by binge drinking. Well, I don't know if that's really true. We talked about that with Dr. B, and this is according to an article that I read, which, you know, Dr. B didn't actually confirm or deny. Now, from France, some might say that you're lucky if you wake up with a hangover in the land of dairy and carbs. How about a croissant and a cafe au lait, which could both soak up a lot of bad stuff lurking in your belly and give you a little jolt of caffeine. If you're in Mexico, well, gotta say this one had me at cow stomach. What? Yeah. While your first inclination may not be to consume tripe, the official name of cow stomach in a thick soup made with peppers and cilantro. And this concoction is called muendo. My best effort at something Mexican. <laughs> the,
2: the, the dried bull penis is starting to sound real good right about now.
1: I know. <laughs> So apparently this stuff is going to settle your stomach and give you a boost of energy. Now, I've actually I've actually fed this stuff to my dog and the smell of it made Mm. me gag. So, you know, I'm a hard pass on the whole Mexican thing. But, you know, I mean, if you're still slightly drunk from the tequila the night before, you never know. You might go for it. <laughs> now, this one is hilarious and actually speaks to what Dr. B shared with us in South Africa. The remedy is ostrich omelets. Try and say that three times fast while you're still ine- inebriated. That is one big egg. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's equivalent to two dozen egg. Just go buy two dozen eggs and then you've got an ostrich egg. Well, I happen to know that eggs can really help to clear your liver and Dr. B. Um, He talked about that already. Um, But the quantity of that, that sounds way more like liver liquid plumber to me. I don't even know how you would do that. (laughs) And last but not least, this one's rather close to my heart. The one that I relied on when I lived across the pond for 15 years. (laughs) The full English breakfast. Uh We didn't ask him. We didn't ask him. I forgot to ask him about the the hair of the dog. That'll be for next time. So the full English breakfast. Now, sometimes that is ordered at the same pub where the damage was done the right. night before. Because, yep. you know, why don't you just head back there and kind <laughs> to crawl maybe. Now, not really for the faint of heart. Quite literally because the fat calories are on a, you know, that you have there on a plate are truly off the charts. Now we're talking like the full baked beans, the eggs, the black pudding, the toast, tomatoes, bacon, the whole nine yards. And if you're in England, the bacon is a rasher, it's called, which is kind of like real meat, like a cross between a back bacon and a streaky bacon. They've got whole different names over there for the bacon that they have. And it's just all about the greasy, the carb-laden platter of food that can help soak up that alcohol and make you feel like a human again.
2: Oh, keep talking, keep talking.
1: Now, for those of you who are into prevention, there's a homeopathic remedy called Nux Vomica. (laughs) No, I'm not saying Nux vomit. (laughs) Nux vomica, this will be in the show notes on LeannePhilipson.com. So before you start your night of drinking, no matter how heavy you think you're going to go, you can take it then when you're done and then also the next morning when you wake. Now, I have tried this and I'm not completely sure that it helped. But what I do know about homeopathy is everybody's a little bit different. And you know what? Hey, man, it's worth a shot. (laughs) So, all of this is not to tell you not to drink but it's just to show you the effects that it has on your body the effects that it has on your brain and well all of your insides and everything that's happening so thank you again to dr b for sharing his expertise and now I hope you know a little bit more. And if needed, you can make a decision on how often to drink, know the potential, what the implications are, and a little bit more about what's happening because things change all the time, certainly has for my for my body over time. And if you haven't got too much tolerance as you used to have, then maybe this this explains a thing or two. So, with that said, I suggest that you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. Share it with far and wide because who doesn't need to know about all of this? And head over to the show notes on Uh leave, leave us any questions on my social media channels of Leanne Philipson or even Sprout Right, and I'll grace your ears next week with—well, I'm not really sure what yet. But in the meantime eat this or should I say maybe drink this one mouthful at a time.